Welcome to the Liberty Block, where freedom, logic, accountability, and principle are paramount. And now your host, Elliot Axelman. Welcome to the Liberty Block Podcast. I'm Elliot Axelman, but you could call me Alu. A few days ago, President Trump announced that since DACA is seemingly sunsetting in September, he's not going to use executive action like Obama did to extend it himself. What he seemed to say was that he will allow for Congress to extend it or to not extend it. Since the DACA program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, which of course dealt with the illegal immigrants who came in as children, their parents brought them in, what do you do with them now? So he's going to put the burden on Congress to either extend it or to not extend it, which might be a, a good move to put the ball in their court to not let them pass the buck like they've been doing for so long, like you speak about on the program. So I want to mention a, f- a few of the issues and a few angles from what Donald Trump announced about DACA. The left is melting down. We have students in Denver, Arizona, I think Nevada, colleges probably across the country walking out of class, protesting. It's amazing they're not tired of protesting. I don't know when they actually get work done because they've been protesting about the statues and then about the other issues and then about DACA. And they're they're protesting 24-7, it seems. They're walking out of college classes and protesting in the streets about DACA being ended and now now undocumented immigrants are all going to be deported. He said maybe in six months he will start to phase it out if Congress doesn't act. Here's the thing about Congress. They're not going to let DACA expire. They won't let it sunset. For those of you who are familiar with sunsetting programs, what the federal government does and state governments, they have programs that are only approved for, let's say, two years or five years or 10 years, and then it sunsets. A sunset means that if nothing is done to extend it, it will go away. It will end. These things don't end. Here, you know know what sunsetted? Here in New York City, the the speed camera program, the cameras for the, the speeding, that was going to sunset this year or a few years ago. Instead of sunsetting, it increased by like by twofold, and now it's increasing again. So instead of sunsetting, they just go to go to the city council, go to the state capitol, and they extend it and they expand it. This is not going anywhere. Congress, the U.S. House, and the U.S. Senate on immigration is, in my opinion, 80, 90, 95 percent Democrat on this. They support amnesty, support open borders, they support DACA. I think a few congressional leaders have already condemned Donald Trump for what he said about possibly hinting at ending DACA. So personally, I mean, I'm going to bring in my co-host here. Personally, I, I would love to hear what he thinks. I think it's a big nothing burger. I think Donald Trump essentially said nothing, but still got the left to melt down. Well, I think it's worthwhile first discussing why, if we claim to be libertarians, why is this an issue for us at all? And we need to explain that this is one of the issues where we differ from most of the libertarian movement or from much of the libertarian movement because much of that movement is pro-open borders and not restricting immigrants whatsoever. So presumably, they're going to be pro-DACA at the very least. Whereas I believe we agree that a country, a state, or any other unit has a right to close its borders, decide who comes in, and who partakes of its benefits. So if we want to speak about the libertarian stance, we can disagree over who gets to make those rules, how do we execute those rules, how do we punish people who violate those rules. But we believe firmly that there should be rules. Yeah, absolutely. So 
They, uh, I also want to speak about what Mayor de Blasio of New York City and Mayor Emanuel of Chicago and a few other mayors have said, and I have up here and I can show it to you. Um, this is a statement up here on the screen from New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. And he's been pretty vocal over the last few months or a few years on how he feels about the DACA and all of the illegal aliens here in New York City. He's a big supporter of giving them a lot of free benefits. And, and another issue that I want to hear your commentary on, a lot of libertarians argue they totally side with the left, and they argue that illegal aliens don't get welfare. They just don't get any welfare. But then you have to look at the, the language, and I know it's very complicated, the language of the New York State DREAM Act that continues to pass the Assembly, and it hasn't passed the State Senate yet, but it's probably going too soon. The DREAM Act not only confirms on top of the free high school for illegal aliens who are totally undocumented, it, it moves to give them college scholarships, to give them some free college, again, paid for by us. So that's a benefit. I think if I'm not mistaken, University of Miami just said that they're going to give free college to undocumented immigrants. So if we say they don't get welfare, I'm not quite sure what that's referring to. Does that mean actual cash payments? Does that mean food stamps, Section 8? What exactly does that mean? Do we turn them away from emergency rooms? Obviously, we don't. So saying they don't get welfare is not the same as saying they're not taking tax dollars. But I think we need to discuss the arguments that the other side makes so that we can counter them. They just keep saying we are cruel, it's unfair, the children didn't do anything. After all, they came here as babies. They had absolutely no say, so to speak, the sin of the parents. And second of all, even if we were going to punish the children, what are we going to do with them? Where are we sending them if they don't even speak the language of the country they originally came from, or even if they have no family in the country that they came from? Now, obviously, if it weren't that the borders have been open for so long illegally, we wouldn't have this issue. Obviously, I don't want to say obviously, maybe it's not obviously. Should we not sanction, should we not punish illegal behavior at all? Should we encourage it by saying, well, you can't, but if you do, we'll keep giving you benefits? Yeah, yeah. So. That's another issue. And someone we know in New Jersey was taken off food stamps, and she clearly sees at the food stamps office that the people who are undocumented, who have no documentation, not even a social security card or anything, are given food stamps. And I personally have had many patients who have Medicaid cards, which is given to those who, who supposedly are poor and can't afford health care, and they get Medicaid, which is by state and federal taxpayers, and they're totally undocumented. They have no social security number. They're, they're undocumented. So to say that that they don't get welfare, it's absolutely false. They get school. Um, I don't know, I know that some jurisdictions have tried to give them the right to vote locally. I don't think we do that in New York. They can't give them the right to vote nationally as far as I know. They can only do it in local like school board elections. Interesting, yeah, because even, even residents who are here illegally who have a green card, they, I think, can vote local. They can't vote in federal elections, correct? But that, I don't know, but that's but localities can decide whatever they want, which I don't really have a problem with anyway. Um, I think it's worth mentioning what, what others have pointed out a long time ago. We, we very often punish children for the sins of their parents. We put hundreds of thousands of parents in jail, and we don't say, well, it's not fair to the children. We should let the parents out. And in death penalty states, we execute parents. And we don't say, but it's not fair to the children. They didn't do anything wrong. We have no problem taking their parent away. So it is not fair. And that is unfortunately the result of someone doing something that they should not have done. 
Otherwise, we have to open up all the prisons because it's not fair to the children and the grandchildren. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're showing here on the screen now is actually the statement from New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio on the announcement that I think was essentially meaningless that Trump said about potentially phasing out DACA. And he said that he's going to make me, Elliot Axelman, pay for the legal services for these these uh, dreamers, the undocumented illegal aliens who came here as children with their parents and their the lawyers fees and all that for them fighting against the the DACA should it be enforced he's going to make me pay for that and again like we talk about like us crazy libertarians say when I say that I'm paying for it with taxes it means I am forced by by law with with uh, ultimately enforced by violence I'm forced with a gun to pay for this so are you saying that when I heard that the Hollywood stars and some of the very wealthy liberals around the country were going to volunteer to pay for all of this. Are you telling me that was just a dream? Yeah, exactly. So these, this is what these liberals do. They, they vote for people who will, will take money from all of us to support the illegal aliens and to support their, their leftist causes, but they themselves don't really give all this money. They vote, they vote for us to financially support them, to make themselves feel good. It's like a virtue, virtue signaling type of thing so that they feel good, but they don't actually open up their homes. Now, a few might have. There was someone, there was some company I heard just an hour or two ago that is going to contribute to the legal services for these undocumented dreamers, which is, that's, that's a different issue, but at least you're not taking a gun to my head with police, with the IRS, and forcing me by law to pay taxes to cover the legal services. But didn't, didn't California do this a while ago? Don't remember. I'm pretty sure about a year ago I heard that California was going to make the taxpayers pay for legal services for the illegal aliens. This is, I think, a few years ago. Quite possible, but even if we don't directly pay it, we'll just indirectly pay it. Yeah, and then there's the, the whole healthcare. And like most people, especially people who, who might have lived in, in a lesser country or third world country, like, like Mexico or somewhere in South America that doesn't have quite as high standards as America, they will need healthcare possibly more than I do. Thankfully, I need I need a doctor once every few years for minor things, um, minor minor injuries. Um, they do use the emergency room, and as someone who's worked in, in emergency services for six years now, they they use it quite often. And and they might get injured, they might have illnesses that they've had for years in, in their home country, and they do use emergency rooms. And that burden is also a few billion a year. So people might say they're not getting welfare because you don't see the mayor or governor handing out cash to them, uh, they do get food stamps. There are 180 welfare programs. They get at least a few of them. They get food stamps. They get the school. I mean, they're in high school in New York and they want to extend that to college. They get the Medicaid. So there's a, a lot of a lot of benefits they are certainly getting. In New Jersey, I think the number is over $3 billion a year. In New York, I think it's higher. In California, it's probably a lot higher than that. So it's billions and billions a year that we are losing. As they say, a billion here, a billion there, and soon you're talking about real money. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because I saw Tucker Carlson was interviewing a congressman, I believe, named Goyar from Texas, and he was trying to get a straight answer. Okay, if we let dreamers stay because they came here young and stayed here X amount of years, what exactly is going to be the rule? What are we telling everybody around the world who wants to come into our country? What will be the rule? And he could not get 
a straight answer. Do they have to be here five years, 10 years, 20 years? What are we doing here? Because no matter what decision we make, it broadcasts to the rest of the world. Yep. Come, all you have to do is hide for a certain amount of time, and we will give you everything. Yeah, and, and I know this is weird for me as a libertarian because you, I'm usually supporting, I'm usually advocating against the laws because most laws we have are ridiculous, but a law of having a border, of a border making a country or a state what it is, it's, it's something I, I do believe in. If you have a state, if you have private property, a house or a city or a community or a state, if, if not for a border, it's just not a state. That's the fact. If you, let anyone in you know, someone commenting from the libertarian side, you know, if we got rid of all of welfare and all of government handouts, either they wouldn't come or it would be okay if they came because we wouldn't be giving them anything. I think that takes care of half of the problem. Yeah. But then yeah. again, I would just like to ask those who believe in open borders, do they lock their door at night? Yeah. So, so there are a few issues. There's, there's the danger of letting anyone in. And I got into a, a long debate with another libertarian the other day, who, and, and he said eventually he wants a libertarian society, right? We all want a society that's free from coercion and theft on all levels and, and free from government intrusion on our lives. But what happens when we encourage millions of non-libertarians, millions of authoritarians and socialists to come into our community? By the next election, they will outvote us. It's that simple. Right now, if Wyoming told one million Californians to come into its state, Wyoming would have elected socialists within the next election cycle. It's that simple. And, and after around 30 comments of me saying this back and forth, this other libertarian wouldn't understand it. So, I mean, that's – I've yet to hear a good case against it. If we want a libertarian society, it has to have some kind of border, some kind of exclusivity if – there, if you're encar literally encouraging people to come in, especially if you're offering welfare, I mean, maybe you could debate it if you get rid of all the welfare. And I've said it so many times when I was at the Libertarian Party meeting, the joint meeting with Queens County and the Manhattan County Libertarian Party, they were fighting back and forth, and it got vicious between Laser and some mayoral candidate. And I stood up there and I said, wait, if we get rid of welfare, I think we all agree. If we get rid of all the welfare, welfare incentives – People who come here because they want to work, they're not that big an issue. If you come here, even if you're undocumented, if you just want to work and make a better living for your family, th that's not the worst person in the world. The issue is those who come here for criminal reasons or for welfare reasons. And if we get rid of all of the welfare and all of welfare for legals, illegals, for everyone, we should cut all of welfare. I don't understand why, why any theft exists, redistribution, stealing from me, give it to someone else. Cut it all, and pretty much everything else sorts itself out. Okay, so my question for the open borders crowd, which I'd love to debate, is would we let all 8.2 billion people in the world into America? Absolutely, and I'm, I'm still waiting to hear a good response to that. At what point do you start saying maybe there should be some kind of border? I mean, there are, there are 7 to 8 billion people in the world. America, the U.S. can't handle, as long as there's any welfare or even any government infrastructure we we can't handle seven eight billion people in the country at what point are you going to stop it and then what i've heard from some libertarians who have a, a pretty decent debate their reasoning for open borders is they are pure anarchists like i think i mentioned to you they purely do not want any government to exist in the u.s whatsoever on any level in any sense and if there's no government there's no one to enforce a border and that's their reasoning which is at least that's that's they're consistent in their philosophy 
But I think, you know, you asked the great question, well, at some point they will vote, and at some point they will put an end to that anarchy. So then what? Yeah, well, the voting thing is, is a whole other issue, and, and that's another level on top of it. Are we letting people in and letting them vote, or are we letting them in just to reside here to get away from whatever, if they're refugees or whatever, to let them get away from their terrible country, and then they can work hard in the free market and prosper. But if we're letting it's them vote... Matter, because the long ball is that they're going to vote. So let's say, just to pick a name, I'm George Soros. I offer $50,000 cash to anybody who will move here and will promise to vote for a Democrat in 20 years. Yep, well, that, in 20 years, Wyoming is no longer red. So I'm curious what the answer is to that, if you give citizenship to everyone. A lot of stuff to talk about. We'd love to hear your opinion. Comment on it. Uh, let us know what you think. Send us a message. And all right. Are you ready for the next big issue? Go. The Virgin Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands, the governor, in anticipation of Hurricane Irma, has ordered his National Guard. He has a National Guard there, much like we have in the U.S. in our sense. He has ordered them to confiscate all weapons and ammunition in anticipation for the storm in order to seemingly allow the National Guard to perform their duties? Um, it depends how you read it, but it seems to say only if they need it to perform their duties. Exactly what does that mean? Don't necessarily know. Yeah, so there are a lot of issues with this. Of course, the first, my initial thought at first glance is it's pretty scary. Um, they are, in some degree, a part of the U.S. They do have one vote in, in uh, congressional committees, so they're, they're somewhat involved in the U.S. They don't seem to be protected by the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, so this is not necessarily an infringement upon the Second Amendment, so let's get that out of the way. But the other big angle is to look at National Guards. So seemingly they have a National Guard like we have a National Guard here in New York, and they have one in Wyoming, New Hampshire, New Jersey. Every state has one. And what we've seen as now I have a lot of friends and, and a brother who's an uh, army guard and the National Guard for a state, they, they are trained to follow orders. That's, that's what they do. So they, in general, could never even fathom what it would be like to disobey an order from their commanders in the National Guard and the U.S. Army. So, and what we have to ask ourselves is, are we confident that our National Guardsmen in our state would not confiscate guns if instructed to do so by their commander? Now, depending on what they were ordered to do it for, are they ordered to do it because they need the weapons or are they ordered to do it because they need to protect themselves from the citizens? But the bottom line is, is there any situation in which the Army or the Guard would start confiscating weapons and who was okay with that and who was not okay with that. Yeah, so what I would love to hear from the commenters is in what scenario would you support the National Guard confiscating weapons and ammunition from the people here in the state in America, more of the United States? Because it's, in my opinion, it's a matter of time. It might be more than five or 10 years, like I think. It might be more like 20 years. I don't know. But at some point soon, they're going to say they're declaring a state of emergency or, you know, there's an ISIS issue or illegal immigrants or whatever it is. And they're going to they're going to justify taking guns from us. And the National Guardsmen, I believe, would listen to their commanders. And would you support that? I'd love to hear in the comments if you would support that. Well, I'm actually curious if people agree that they would follow such an order, especially since the Guard is pretty local. 
and they would be doing this to people that they actually know. Yeah. So anyway, in, in the U.S. Virgin Islands, was this – I don't necessarily understand exactly what the reasoning was that the governor gave. Was it because they didn't want people to have guns in case things got kind of desperate with the the resources and the food and all that? Or was it because they just wanted the guns for themselves for some reason in case they ran out? Well, I can't tell you. I could just say the way I read it was because they may need the weapons and the ammunition. But again, how is that translated by everybody? How is that put into practice? I have no way of knowing. Yeah, so that's another scary thing, and uh, we're going to have to follow up on that and see what what exactly that means and whether that could come to the U.S. potentially. Do you think that something like this could come to the U.S. potentially? Because I think it's only a matter of a few years. Um, I don't know if I go that far. I can't say it could never happen. And the question, as you mentioned once before, isn't so much the U.S., it's could localities do this if New York City wanted to do it or if another place that already had very strict laws wanted to do it? What would be if the governor of a very liberal state ordered his guard? Okay, let's say Florida were a very liberal state and he said to his guard, get rid of weapons, there's going to be a lot of looting, we're going to have a lot of chaos on the street, take everybody's weapons. Would he order it? Would anybody follow the order? And would people give up their weapons? Yeah, I think, well, on the first question, I think they would follow it, even if they were friends or, or relatives. Unfortunately, I think you can call it indoctrination, but that is what a military is. A military is only effective if they listen blindly to their commanders. And I think that National Guardsmen, by and large, would listen to their commanders, even in terms of gun confiscation, even knowing that it goes against the Second Amendment. Did I send you that that video of Joe Arpaio speaking on... I believe it was Fox Business with, I think, Napolitano. And there was him and another another person, another guest. And Napolitano very simply asked him, uh, Sheriff Arpaio, if you were given an order, if there were a law that was unconstitutional, would you enforce it? And Arpaio very clearly says, I will enforce every law that is on the books, regardless of what I think of the law. Well, that's quite obviously a very slippery slope. <laughs> Because I don't want to use the word, but like they say, every law that every dictator in history or every action any dictator in history has done is legal. So, Exactly. That's why we, we need to broadcast and, and educate people about the distinction between a constitutional law and an unconstitutional law. So we, you know, we often hear the argument, it's legal, that's the law, that's the law, Donald Trump, a nation of laws, I am the law and order candidate. Like we say, we often say everything – not to compare Trump to Hitler, but everything Hitler did was legal. Everything every government ever does is legal because they are, by definition, the government. They create the laws. We have to look at the Constitution. We have to look at liberty and morals and, and property rights to determine whether it's just or not. Well, I guess we could ask another question. What if the governor of a state said there's going to be a natural disaster and we need to take over the press? And that's the First Amendment issue, and people would be up in arms. I mean, I assume the New York Times would look at that very differently than upending the Second Amendment. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Even temporarily, even for any reason whatsoever, and I think they should be against it. Yeah, I, I think in general it's it's largely way too easy for government and, and media to convince us that they need to do things for our security, for our safety, for our health, for the children. And 
even if it's clearly unconstitutional, they can say we're appealing the whole constitution or putting a hold on the whole constitution because it's for our security. And people need to start becoming aware of, of liberty being more important than security. You know, I don't know if you can compare the two situations, but those who follow Israel closely know that 10 years ago or so, they um, evicted about 10,000 people or more from the Gaza Strip, and they evicted them forcibly. And there was a lot of talk in the country, would an Israeli soldier physically, even violently, evict an Israeli from their home? And I think there were a very small amount who refused, but I believe the overwhelming majority did it, as shocking as it was to many of the citizens. So you do have a point that in order to do something, whether you think it's legal or not, whether you think it's cruel or not, that's your job and that's what you do. Again, where that line is drawn, considering I remember scandals where American soldiers did things that were clearly illegal. And it's not an excuse to say I followed my command. But again, slippery slope, very gray boundaries there. Yeah, it must be extremely difficult to stand up to a commanding officer in the military, especially where in the U.S. military, you're not even bound by U.S. law or the Constitution necessarily. In the U.S. military, you're not protected by. Yeah, in the U.S. law, it's just the the military code. Yeah, I think um, it almost segues back to Utah. You know, if, if you order another policeman to do something which is a little bit off base or a lot off base, is he ever going to have the guts to say no? Yeah, yeah. And it must be in- incredibly difficult to stand up to someone who's who's your supervisor. I mean, it's it must be difficult, but at some point, people in the military and people in law enforcement have to have the stones to stand up and to not follow unjust orders or illegal unconstitutional orders. Right, and they're not lawyers, and, you know, again, who gets to decide what's unconstitutional, what's unconstitutional? Um, These are really, really complicated issues, but I think it's worth thinking about, are there any circumstances under which they would be ordered to confiscate weapons? Would they do it, and would people give them up? And if people don't give them up, what exactly is that going to lead to? Uh, I don't don't know that there's a comparison between police forces and the military. It seems like the police forces as much as we can tell, are having a lot more troubles controlling themselves than we usually hear about the military. Of course, the military has far more training than the police forces. Our videos that we've seen over the past few days of some traffic stops gone bad and and some other issues that police have had with citizens. And again, I I keep impressing on you to read my article about six key common sense reforms that I think would improve policing a lot. So... We, the first video I want to talk about was a, a traffic stop of seemingly a van. It was pulled over. You might have seen it. It got pretty popular on Facebook in the last few days. A van was pulled over by a cop in Ohio for having um, some some minor thing, or maybe he recognized it to be a felon's car or something like that. And and after a few minutes, he notices one gentleman in the vehicle has a gun, and he screams at him to to not touch the gun. And after a few minutes, he fires nine or ten shots into him, and. Uh, it's just a, a pretty bad scenario. Um, most people are calling it a good shot, but more importantly than that, it, it was tragic. At best, it was tragic. It was a terrible day. And I ask, why do we have traffic stops when so many end in the officer and or a driver or a passenger getting killed? So- okay, so let's assume for a moment that it wasn't a traffic stop. Let's even assume he stopped them because it was a stolen vehicle. Even then, was there a better way for that to go down? And 
as you know, I have issues, even if it was a, a good kill, so to speak, I have issues not being a cop myself, watching cops seemingly totally lose control. And when you watch that video, even though the cop may have been 100% justified in neutralizing the guy with the gun who absolutely refused to comply, but to me, it just seemed like a professional police officer, 100% out of control. And if he were my supervisee, he would not be making me proud. Yeah, that's that's a whole other issue. And again, we get a lot of pushback from people who, who are related to police or who always support police and can't necessarily see the other side like I used to. I used to always support police because I work alongside them. I, I knew cops. I'm still friends with a lot of cops. But now I can kind of see it from a libertarian view, from the, the nonpartisan point of view. So me, again, being being a paramedic, I, I don't think I've ever cursed at a patient, even when patients curse at me or threaten me or might hit me or spit at me or treat me terribly or, or anything like that. I've never cursed at a patient. I've never hit one. I would never, I could never hit one with a closed fist. I just couldn't do it. But what we see throughout the country of cops cursing and saying, I'll blow your effing brains out and cursing. I mean, it's, it's just yells on professionalism to me. My first thought, my my initial impression of that video was this guy has so little training. He, my first impression was that he had two months of training. And the sad thing is that most cops on average have, I think, three to six months of training in the U.S. And in me in my field, three to six months of training means you're an EMT. And most EMTs don't have guns and badges on the law, and we wouldn't trust them with guns and badges in the law. It's It's that simple. And if you're screaming and cursing at someone and getting emotional, and then when they're down kicking them again, that where where clearly they don't have enough training so it's it's pretty disturbing about the amount of training and that video especially i mean if you're cursing at people i i would take them off the force if you're cursing suspend them or get rid of them you can't be cursing if you're a cop if you have a gun and a badge you can't be cursing and yelling at people it's just it's so unprofessional you can't do it mm -hmm. among some of the other issues i had with the video and you know he approached the car very very in a friendly manner which was wonderful and then he asked so many questions. Why are you in the neighborhood? Where are you going? Where are you coming from? Now, my libertarian side has a lot of issues with that scenario because as far as I'm concerned, if I'm not driving and if it's not relevant to whatever infraction I committed when I was driving, then he has no business asking those questions. And for sure, I should have a strong right to refuse to answer those questions. Now, we don't know what, have ha what would have happened had they simply refused to answer the questions. We have no way of knowing that. I know people say, well, it is constitutional. It's not constitutional. I think the question is, even if it's, quote, constitutional because the Supreme Court allows it, is that really what we want to have? Or do we want to sort of recalibrate and say, police, if you got a problem with the driver, deal with the driver, but you can't, um, excuse me, but you can't question everybody else in the car about what they're doing. Yeah. So, I, I didn't appreciate that either. I think it was really messed up when he was asking, and it, it kind of seemed like he was saying, well, you're so low class. What are you doing in this neighborhood? Why are yeah, you? That, that's the way it hit me as well. And it, it, it's interesting because as he was asking the questions, he apparently saw the gun, so everything went south. But had he kept asking questions, had they mouthed off and said, I'm not answering your questions, would we have had a Utah hospital scenario or would you have said, okay, I respect your rights not to answer intrusive questions. I'm going to give you a ticket. I'm going to take you in if that's what's warranted. You with the gun may be in a lot of trouble, but I can't make you tell me why you're in the neighborhood. 
Yeah, well, whenever I see videos of people not of people refusing to answer uh, an officer's questions, it pretty much always goes south. It always seems to go south from there if you don't want to answer their questions. So I think it would have ended really badly if they hadn't answered those questions that were pretty disgusting of why are you in this neighborhood? Where are you going? You bought cigarettes. Why? Where are you going? Where do you live? It, it's, mm -hmm. yeah. And sadly, even if the law, whatever that means exactly, even if all the Supreme Court rulings are in favor of the person, I mean, imagine a scenario where the police officer says, where are you going? Where'd you come from? And a person says, well, I don't have to answer it. Here's the Supreme Court ruling. Read it. Well, we know that's not going to happen. He's not going to read it and say, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. He's either going to quietly walk away or, unfortunately, he may not quietly walk away and say, you're resisting arrest. And then we get into that entire scenario. Yeah. And then there was a scenario that was even more disturbing just north of there in Ohio as well of an officer who pulled someone over for a traffic stop and saw on the the front yard of the house that was he was in front of had a tripod with a camera on it turned around thought it was a gun shot and killed him but shot didn't kill him shot and injured him um but also pretty incredible because for as someone who i mean i have seen a camera before and i have seen a gun so i i guess i'm lucky but i i don't even see how you could do that you can mistake a tripod and a camera for for a gun well even if you mistake it i think <laughs> Somehow there has to be some type of training before you shoot a lethal weapon. Now, I've argued before we need to come up with some type of non-lethal weapon. Apparently, we're not technologically there. But if you have a lethal weapon in your hand, <laughs> it seems like we need to be a wee bit more careful about how we use it. Because we're, we keep hearing about more and more of these incidents that just don't end well. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they do have some stuff. I hate to say it, but it's kind of like a, a shoot first, ask later type of culture, generally with police. If anything happens, you think something is black or it looks like a pistol shaped, just shoot. So you turn around, mm -hmm. you see a camera, it was black, I shot. It's mm -hmm. Take a second to think about, wait, if a tripod looks like a sniper rifle set up, like a tripod for a sniper rifle, would you really think that that's what it is on someone's front lawn in broad daylight? <laughs> I mean, I guess here's the deal. I'm not a police officer, so it's easy for me to say, but I still believe that in order for me to be a police officer, I need to be trained so that I don't just react. That's what I say from my armchair. Exactly. Well, that's what should distinguish someone who has no training and who doesn't have a badge and the law and a gun on his side and ultimate authority from the cop who has all that, he should have more training and keep his cool. There are some occupations like cop or maybe firefighter or medic or or anyone in the military who's in combat. They shouldn't lose their cool. I've well, seen obviously, you're far, you're far less effective if you lose your cool. And, and you can't make good decisions, and it's it, it all goes south from there. Mm -hmm. And you're not really building up respect for your profession in the community when you're using the F word here and there and screaming at people. I just, I don't really understand it. My impression was it didn't used to be that way. But, you know, there's the old joke, things aren't what they used to be and they never were. So you don't always know if you're reminiscing for times that never existed other than in your perception. Or is it true that it didn't used to be this wild? Now, I guess it's good that we have all these body cameras, dash cameras, people's cameras. I think we need to have, quote, a discussion as a country, but it doesn't usually work out that way. Congress, as we've mentioned many times, never does anything about anything. 
And the people who make the most noise are the ones who influence the lawmaking. And I don't think at the moment the more libertarian people have the power or the, the energy to fight until we start recalibrating how the police treat the public. Yeah, well, you know, the people seemingly leading the fight for legislation in support of body cameras in every state seems to be libertarians. I know I have Against my body cameras. Yeah, four body cameras, right? Four body cameras, yeah. My, my friend, mm -hmm. you're leading the fight, and the Republicans, Democrats don't want to hear it. And again, this is just one of many, many issues why I, I am generally libertarian, and I generally I, I support libertarians because very, very few Republicans and Democrats right now are supporting body cameras, and all they do is hold everyone accountable. And as you know, if you listen to the Liberty Block, it's all about accountability. You know, you make, a, you make a good point. If there were fewer traffic stops, there would be fewer chances to have these type of altercations. And that gets to the whole point, are traffic stops there to protect us? Or are they there to make money? I don't know if you put, if you linked on your site or your Facebook page to that article about should we consider abolishing police forces, whose title was quite controversial, but there were some interesting points in the article to consider are there so many interactions between the police and the citizenry that the odds are that some things are going to go bad? Yeah, well, in my article, I didn't call for abolishing police. If we could stop the enforcement of traffic stops and other victimless crimes, they just endanger police and endanger the citizenry, and they make them both resent each other more. So mm -hmm. the more times we have police bursting into someone's house for a dime bag of weed or something, the more times I'm stopped for running for for driving 60 miles per hour on the highway. Like I was pulled over a few months ago on the Clearview, driving 60 in a 50 mile per hour zone. So mm -hmm. the less interactions like those we have, where I saw a video like five, 10, minute, 10 minutes before coming on the program, I saw a cop, a motorcycle cop, I guess with a with a speed camera, clocked someone going fast down the highway, jumped on his bike on his motorcycle. And uh, gunned it and flew down the highway and, and uh, just uh, busted himself up, just crashed and totaled himself and just destroyed his, his motorcycle. And who knows who else mm -hmm. he crashed in. So now he's injured. Now taxpayers paying millions more for his injuries and his thing. And if he died, it's a funeral. It's the, the um, posthumous um, uh, promotion to lieutenant. In, in why? Because of a traffic stop? That's why we're having him die. They die. They hit each other. They're shooting. This guy shot fired 10 rounds into a van we could if it could be avoided why not avoid it mm -hmm. well, and, I, and again, you know i can't agree with you on that yeah I'm, I'm waiting for the liberals and the conservatives to come out and say why are we doing traffic stops they get police killed they get citizens killed and they make them both resent each other and they cost the taxpayers a ton because as you know the taxpayers pay for all these issues when there's a lawsuit when there's a cop hurt when someone else is hurt and they sue the taxpayers pay Mm -hmm. so if, and it's if, very sad. It's very sad to believe that they're just doing it to fill up the city coffers. But there's definitely some evidence that that's what it's all about. Yeah. So the, the last issue that we need to speak about that's big in the news is apparently a voter ID law in Texas was upheld by a federal court. And I just love the, my first thought and yours as well, I think, is don't you love how the judges have all the power in the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I still am not 100% sure why we bother with legislatures. They seem to take up a lot, a lot of money. I would assume nationally it's in the many billions of dollars. And if a judge gets to make all the rules, why do we need them all? Yep, it's it's the passing the buck theory. And you should write a book, mm -hmm. Passing the Buck. 
It is the passing the bacteria. Right. We're always off the hook. And unfortunately, a judge here rules this, a judge there rules that. It changes week to week. And then we sit, like they say, towards June, we sit waiting for what is the one swing vote on the Supreme Court going to say what our Constitution will read for the next number of years. And obviously, the founders didn't plan it to be that way. We had an elected legislature to make these decisions. And again, we've discussed before the the racism involved in saying that minorities are just not capable of getting photo IDs. When <laughs> that's such an insult, I assume almost everyone in this country can or does have photo ID because you can't function without one. They're not very difficult to get. So what a horrible thing. But as usual, it's the people on the other side of the argument who are called the racists. Yeah, that's a whole other really big issue that I've always had with voter ID laws. It's that the left, the Democrat, the DNC, the liberals, their platform, their official stance on voter ID laws is that they are racist because minorities, black people, Hispanic people are too stupid, too incompetent to obtain IDs. That is their official platform. So right now I have, I think, over a thousand friends who are minorities, who are not white. I would love for you to comment, why do you still vote Democrat? Because most of my friends on my Facebook do vote Democrat. So I'd love for you to comment, everyone who's seeing this, why do you vote Democrat? Although their platform says you are so stupid, you don't even know how to get an ID for yourself. And you know, the, the video, it got, it got tons of views now, made a few years ago, I think, of a guy, it might have been Ami Horowitz or, or one of them who makes these videos. And he went around asking black people and Hispanic people in Harlem right here in Manhattan, Hey, do you have an ID? And they say, yes, of course I have an ID. And they have smartphones too. And they were, again, they have most items that most people have. Because yeah, they are most people. Yeah, exactly. Again. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, he asked them, do you know where the DMV is? Do you know how to obtain an ID? If you, if you lose this, if you didn't have an ID, would you know how to obtain an ID? And they all say, of course I know where the DMV is. It's there's one here. There's one there. And it's, and then he, I think he tells them at the end of the video, like, you know that the official stance of Democrats is that you're too stupid to get an ID. And he's like, wait, who said I'm stupid? Who said I'm too stupid to get an ID? I'm like, yeah, that, that is their platform, that you're too stupid to get an ID. So why do you vote for people who think that you're so incompetent? Mm -hmm. Not to mention the assumption that they've never been on an airplane before. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> what never a horrific, been. ridiculous assumption. Never been on an airplane, never been to a bar where you need ID, never bought alcohol. I mean, Come on. Exactly. What an insult. I just want to say as we close out, we encourage everybody to put their comments up on Facebook. Please let us know what you disagree with because this is the show where you can disagree, where we invite disagreement, and where you will be able to have a very um, sophisticated, civilized dialogue. No one's going to throw you off a phone. No one's going to curse you for having an opinion. On the contrary, this is where you should voice your opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I want to echo that. We, we accept all the opinions. We are the tolerant ones. We're not going to curse you out. We want to have this discussion with the right and left libertarians and my conservative and liberal friends and even the socialists. And we do want to hear all your opinions. Comment on it. Share it. Call us up. Message us. Email us. And check out libertyblock.com. We have a few new articles up. We have a few new podcasts. We'll be putting this up as a podcast very soon. And we'll see you again next Wednesday evening. Thank you very much for listening.